Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Friday, February 24th. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's great to be with you on this Friday after Ash Wednesday as we get ready for the weekend and the first Sunday of Lent. On this Friday, let's remember the Sacred Heart of Jesus as well as the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ as we do every Friday. Now today, as Glenn just reported, today is the one-year anniversary of the start of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We're going to have more on the war in Ukraine from a spiritual perspective coming up with Ukrainian Catholic priest Father McCain. Kalo Kuzma, and that'll be in a few minutes. Now, even Lent is underway. If you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, it is still not too late. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. These lessons are packed with all kinds of interesting facts and teachings to help you learn more about the Mass and your faith. In fact, today's edition is a lesson on the tabernacle. You can sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. Uh, do it this morning at relevantradio.com Lent. Get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before Again, that's relevantradio.com slash Lent. Want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines on this Friday morning? Well, uh, a year ago we were surprised, but maybe not entirely, with a lot of advance warning thanks to U.S. intelligence about Russia invading Ukraine. It's been a whole year. It's been 8 million refugees uh, fleeing the country, the voice here of one who's been living in Poland. I really want to go back. Only when I got here, I realized how much what I had. Home was dear to me. We weren't rich, but it was home. And uh, getting home would be the goal for, for so many, but uh, yet here we are just a, a year later. Uh, Russian forces have not gone home, but they have not come close to taking over Ukraine either. No, they haven't come home, but uh, they have taken over about a third of uh, Ukraine. And uh, this ties in uh, to uh, this latest proposal uh, by China. China's calling for a Russia-Ukraine ceasefire. Do, what, do, do we know much about uh, this plan, Glenn? Well, many would be suspect of a Chinese plan, being that many feel China is close to, if not already, providing some material support, in addition to buying plenty of Russian oil and gas to help out with that that effort. Also, Ukraine not really interested in settling where things are. They want not only to get back the the land that's been taken in the past year, but also land that was taken in 2014 in, in Crimea and also in the Donbass. Yeah, and um, this comes at a time when, uh, according to uh, the latest poll, uh, 50% of Americans want to, to continue to support Ukraine for as long as it takes. Uh, that means basically half the country is for it and half the country is not. Well, I think, uh, you know, based on, on that, that might be it. I think uh, over time, uh, support may, may waver a little bit. Uh, we hear audio from folks uh, complaining in uh, in Ohio that uh, they're not getting 
uh, enough support or attention right now with that train derailment uh, as the uh, the president is overseas. Uh, but yet it's unprecedented here in the last 80 years uh, what's been going on with Russia deciding to just take over another democracy right next door. And again, a reminder, uh, uh, during Lent, uh, we need to, uh, to pray and fast. We need to continue to pray for an end to, uh, to this war. And, uh, of course, uh, today, uh, Fridays during Lent, is a time of abstinence. Yeah, that's right. Uh, don't forget, no meat today as we kind of get into those good Lenten disciplines. For sure. As always, thanks so much, Glenn. Hey, sure thing, John. First things first, uh, we start every morning in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings, always through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. And in a special way today on this one-year anniversary, we pray for peace in Ukraine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. We always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. And if you want to send us an email directly with your thoughts, morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, as we've been discussing, it's hard to believe that it's, it's exactly one year ago today that the war in Ukraine started with the Russian invasion. On February 24th, 2022, Russian troops poured across Ukraine's borders and Russian missiles would fill the Ukrainian skies, taking Ukrainian lives in the biggest air, sea and ground assault in Europe since World War II. The last year, tens of thousands of people have lost their lives. And although we might be far away from the conflict, uh, this affects all of us in many different ways. Uh, how are the Ukrainian people here in the U.S. and their families back home doing a year after this war started? I spoke to Father Mahalo Kuzma about the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine and its impact on the Ukrainian people uh, here in the U.S. Father Kuzma is the pastor of Immaculate Conception Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic Church in Palatine, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, which is also the shrine of the new martyrs of Ukraine. Here's my conversation with Father Michaelo Kuzma. Good morning, Father Kuzma. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again. Good morning, John. Great to be with you. God's blessings for a wonderful, beautiful day. By the way, let me just say this. You know, today just happens to be, you know, it's uh, providential. We're talking the first day of the Great Fast, what you call the Great Lent, in the Eastern Catholic churches and the Orthodox churches. Today is that first day. We count uh, the 40 days a little bit differently. So we're always, uh, uh, I don't know, our services are longer, our fasting period is longer or whatnot, maybe because we need it more or whatnot. But today is the first day of the great fast. Uh, it's a day of prayer and fasting. If any of our listeners would like to join us in this very, very important endeavor, because that war, uh, obviously, as we can discuss very over and over is, you know, is, is the foundation of any war is spiritual. 
because uh, you can only uh, overcome, uh, eradicate, uh, uh, send to the depths of hell Satan and his minions through prayer and fasting as the Lord taught his disciples and all of us. Only by prayer and fasting can you heal people who are afflicted by demonic possession or obsession or whatever it might be. So I, I encourage any listeners to join us. Uh, Ukrainian Catholics, Ukrainian Orthodox, and all the other uh, who will be in this fast with prayer and fasting today. Well, Father Kuzma, it's it's hard to believe that uh, one year has uh, has flown by. Uh, it, it just seems like it was just yesterday that we were talking about the, the beginning of this war, and it wasn't expected to last that long originally, at least uh, you know from the Russian perspective. Uh, did you ever imagine it would still be going on here a year later? Well, I can tell you this, uh, no. We pray at every divine liturgy in our church, and I'm sure many churches, for an end to the war, for God to protect the civilians and the soldiers, uh, the country or whatnot. But one thing we Ukrainians know, um, I can't see Russia or Mr. Putin ever giving up. I mean, for him, his pride is on the line besides uh, conquest and so forth. Uh, I I really can't see an end to the war in any way, shape, or form in the near future. Um, it'll take, I believe, an act of God, and that's why prayer and fasting is so important. You know, uh, the administration of Mr. Putin, uh, the TV announcers, commentators have already talked for several months now about the possibility of limited nuclear war. Uh, I can't see them stopping uh, or giving up this effort. Now there's talk, as you heard, on uh, the radio in the last few days, China might be getting involved in terms of helping with ammunition and so forth. Um, it can only progress. Uh, if it doesn't get better, it can only progress to something much worse because war is an evil. Uh, Satan loves war. He wants to destroy the planet. He wants to destroy all of us. So, I again, I'm a hopeful guy, positive guy. Prayer and fasting, obviously all the support we get from the whole world, the United States or whatnot, is amazing and so very necessary. Not only financial support and, and munitions and arms and so forth, but the, the uh, spiritual support through prayer and fasting, the financial support to help soldiers, refugees and so forth. Uh, 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 the world in many ways is with Ukraine, as you probably know. I mean, uh, from my perspective, living in Palatine, we get, we've received all all kinds of money. For small parish, we've sent over $120,000 worth of, uh, of uh, aid to Ukraine. And this is all basically Americans or people who are non-Ukrainians sending us money to send over there. So I don't know that the war will finish, but I'm hopeful that, um, that well, I know one thing. You and I know uh, in the end, the truth comes out. Uh, the Lord wins at the end of the day. But let's not give up hope. Let's not give up praying. And at the same time, uh, let's continue supporting Ukraine any way we can, those who, 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 who choose to do so. Well, obviously, the, the one-year anniversary is coming up this Friday. But coming up in March, it'll also be the anniversary of uh, Pope Francis consecrating uh, Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Obviously, this consecration, it's not magical. Uh, it, it may take a while, but do you think in the end uh, this consecration will bring peace in God's time? No question about it. No question. Uh, our Lord has a special place in his heart, as we, again, we all know, for his mother. Uh, 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 when she, uh, mediatrics of all graces, uh, the graces will come because we, her children, and she, in a very special way, 
have a great love for Ukraine. Uh, I don't know if your listeners know, Ukraine was the first country in history, first country in history in 1037 consecrated to the mother of God. First consecrated, she's got a, a special love. Uh, over uh, the city of KU, our capital, where President Biden is, I understand today or was yesterday, uh, uh, there have been pictures in the German press, I've seen in other nations press, angels in the skies, in the four clouds, in the form of angels. Uh, uh, cave is, is uh, the patron of Cave is St. Michael the Archangel. So we have all kinds of heavenly aid being provided, and uh, Our Lady, at the end of the day, with her angels, she's the general, you might say, of the spiritual army. In the end, the spiritual army on the side of God will prevail. There's no question about that. It's just that we, we don't give up, as you just said. We don't ever give up. We keep moving forward. And prayer and fasting, again and again, I'll repeat, is vitally important. I believe if we had, uh, oh, let me just say this, the 24th, which is this Friday, uh, the anniversary of the beginning of the war, uh, is a world day of uh, prayer and fasting for an end to the war in Ukraine. Uh, in St. Nicholas Cathedral, this uh, Friday coming up, uh, uh, in the Ukrainian village, which is basically around Chicago and Western, uh, there will be a prayer uh, manifestation service at 7.30 in our St. Nicholas Cathedral prayer service, not only with our wonderful Bishop Benedict Alexeychuk, Cardinal Supich will be there. Many priests, many lady, everyone is invited to join us at 7.30 in our cathedral, St. Nicholas Cathedral. It's uh, on the corner of Rice and Oakley. Also a meeting uh, before that uh, on the, uh, in, in front of St. Vladimir and Olga Parish, which is on the corner of Chicago Avenue and Oakley uh, um, at 6.30. So 6.30, uh, a meeting uh, about the beginning of the war and then the requiem service and services for an end to the war and for all those who have died tragically, civilians, uh, children, as you know, uh, massive amounts of soldiers. Father Kuzma, obviously this this war uh, has been a humanitarian crisis uh, on the ground there in Ukraine. But how have the Ukrainian people, the people of Ukrainian descent, uh, not only in your parish, but just in, in this country, uh, how, have, how are they doing uh, with their family members back in Ukraine? What have you seen in your parish? You know, you, you know the gamut of emotions and approach uh, um, to dealing with these issues is, is varied. You know, there are people, for example, who will tell the priest, you know, they'll come to confession or just talk to you and say, Father, I can't forgive these people. I hate them. Uh, 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 I wish them all the worst. May God destroy them. You get to that all the way to people, quite a few people, I know in our parish more and more, uh, I, I talk about it quite often, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love is not a feeling. Love is, we're going to pray for these guys, first of all, for their conversion. Jesus wants their salvation as well, uh, uh, and we have to pray for their conversion. We pray for God to disperse uh, their forces so they can't make these horrific satanic plans to destroy the country because it's a scorched earth policy. Ukraine's getting destroyed. Infrastructure, in many ways, uh, the psychology of the people, post-traumatic stress disorder, some of our own parishioners, you know, obviously they all support Ukraine in their own ways, especially financially. There are waves and waves of new refugees coming. In the last month, I can tell you how many new faces we see every week in our church 
at our Ukrainian services. So the way people approach it and the way people are dealing with it is varied. I encourage, obviously, everyone to do what Jesus said. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And because when we pray for them, we say, God, help me to let go of this bitterness, hatred, resentment, anger, whatever it might be. There's a certain freedom that comes into the soul, and we need that. Everyone needs that. There's nothing worse than having uh, uh, anger, bitterness in one's heart. It, it, it robs you. It's a destructive, it's a spiritual cancer. I know because I was there as a kid growing up, so I wouldn't want to be there again. I would not wish that for anyone. Father Kuzma, our Blessed Mother at Fatima told the three children that wars are a punishment from God for sin. Uh, what is your take, uh, a spiritual perspective on the words of the Mother of God? Well, you know, sin exists. I uh, have been a priest for 41 years. I know I go to confession once a week. I know I'm a sinner. You know, maybe the older I get, the more I realize uh, I'll never be able to overcome all of my sinfulness. I try. I want so much. So, yeah, uh, uh, there's tremendous evil. If one looks at one's history of Russia, Ukraine, there's terrible, terrible things that happen, especially on the side of Russians. But Ukraine is not without its faults. We have, a, have had and have corruption in the country at the highest levels, economic oligarchs and so forth. We have abortion like everyone else. During the Soviet Union, you know, it's a terrible thing to say, you know, during that uh, period when Ukraine was under Soviet dominance or whatnot, they didn't have, uh, uh, for example, birth control. But they had they had abortion for crying out loud. That's how they many women felt that was the only way to uh, provide whatever needs they had to uh, minimize the size of their families and so forth. So Ukraine is not innocent. But if one looks overall at the picture, whatnot, there's always a lot more evil on the side of those who perpetrate and continue the war. Ukraine only wants, its president constantly says, oh, we'd like to have an end to this war. Give us our country back. Leave us alone. Uh, 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 just just be civil. Ukraine in many ways is standing up for uh, uh, the values of civilization, not only for Ukraine, for all of Europe. So uh, our patriarch, he's an amazing guy, Svetoslav Shochuk. He uh, airs every day in the evening, uh, in Ukrainian time or whatnot, uh, a video clip. He talks every day about uh, uh, Ukraine standing firm, Ukraine fighting, Ukraine praise. Ukraine stands, Ukraine fights, Ukraine prays. Uh, there's greater unity in the country that ever has existed, I think, in the history. I'm not a historian, but I think maybe greater that ever has existed in the history of Ukraine, everybody has come together. Russian-speaking, Eastern Ukraine, Western-speaking Ukraine, and everybody, political view in, in, in uh, between. Father Kuzma, the Blessed Mother uh, at Fatima uh, not only talked about uh, uh, the reality of war being a punishment from God for sin, but she also talked about uh, a solution, a spiritual solution, by praying the rosary for peace. I know you have great confidence in the Mother of God. I have tremendous, because I know how much she's helped me in my life. I mean, she literally has turned my life around from the time I was a kid to today. She has taught me to love Jesus and continues to to teach me how to love him, to have a more intimate and great relationship. And the rosary, you mentioned the rosary. Please, everyone listening, pray at least, I beg you, pray at least one rosary a day. With the rosary, wars can be stopped, as Our Lady in Medjugorje said. Wars can be stopped. Evil can be stopped. 
So, yes, the rosary is vitally important. John Paul II, this great, great saint who you love, who I love so very much, you know, he said his favorite prayer, obviously, beyond the Mass, was the rosary. He loved the rosary uh, because it's powerful. All the great saints had a great devotion to the Mother of God, all of them. And the rosary, you might say, is the greatest spiritual weapon we have to, to end this war and for truth to come out in the end. Father Kuzma, uh, in anticipation of this uh, one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, can you lead us in a brief prayer? Okay. Uh, Lord our God, powerful and mighty in war, we who are unworthy to call upon you, humbly pray, take up the arms of your strength and your shield of protection and save the Ukraine. Arise in its defense. Put to flight those who war against Ukraine, who persecute us, those who plot evil against us. We pray you hear us quickly and show us your generous mercy. All good and merciful master, look upon us, unworthy servants, who call upon you with faith and trust, and grant us deliverance from our attackers and foil their haughty plans for our destruction. Grant to Ukraine, the Ukrainian people, the lasting peace of just victory. Heal their wounds and sorrows. Comfort them in their grief and mourning. Protect them wherever they may flee. Grant grace and peace to those who aid them, to those who receive them with open arms. Return them to their homeland. Grant all citizens of Ukraine the strength and wisdom to rebuild their shattered land to your own lasting praise and glory. Amen. Most Holy Mother of God, cover us with your mantle of protection, uh, not only in Ukraine, the United States of America, and all the listeners of Relevant Radio. And John, blessings upon John and all the people he works with in a special way. Amen. Powerful message. That was Father Mikhailo Kuzma, the pastor of Immaculate Conception Ukrainian Catholic Church in Palatine, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, and a Morning Air contributor. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. The CEO of Best Version Media, Kevin O'Brien, the co-founder and president of Men of Christ, will join us to discuss the Men of Christ Conference, one of the largest Catholic men's conferences in the country. So stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Friday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Get connected to the conversation. 888-914-9149. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday after Ash Wednesday with Lent now in full swing here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's always a joy and an honor to be with you, our Relevant Radio family. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Colossians 3.17. The Apostle St. Paul writes, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. St. Paul reminds us that it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, doctor, mother, business owner, or even a major league baseball player. Whatever you do, if you do it for Jesus and for his glory, you're on the right track. During this Lent, keep in mind that you can sanctify your work throughout the day. Whatever you do, if you do it for the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, through Jesus the Lord, you will be on the right track. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer from the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Again, our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Now I want to talk to all the men out there, our brothers in Christ. According to a new Pew Research study, America is the 
number one country in the world in fatherlessness. This is a big problem, folks. And it, uh, to add to the issue, a new book called Men Without Work found that 7 million working-age men have actually dropped out of society. Why are men dropping out? Why are they uh, stepping down? Uh, we are in a crisis of men, but there is hope. I want to tell you about the upcoming Men of Christ Catholic Men's Conference that can inspire men to become better husbands, better fathers, to live your vocation courageously. Here is one of the Speakers, former Major League Baseball All-Star Mike Sweeney. Hello, men. I'm Mike Sweeney, and I'm blessed to speak with you at this year's conference. We'll reset our minds and reset our hearts in an effort to live our vocations as men, husbands and fathers, courageously. We're a band of brothers, and together we'll courageously live our vocation no matter what they throw at us. So right now, I'd like you to register for the conference at a parish near you. Bring your sons, brothers, and other men who understand the importance of retaking and remaking our culture. What a great brother in the Lord, uh, the one and only Mike Sweeney. He is on fire. Joining us live from uh, just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is Kevin O'Brien, the CEO of Best Version Media, to share his take on this crisis with men and to talk about Men of Christ, one of the largest Catholic men's conferences in the country. Kevin O'Brien is also the co-founder and president of Men of Christ, as well as the co-founder of the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance. Kevin played pro football back in the mid-90s. He was a linebacker, primarily in the CFL and the World League. He's been married for 23-plus years, and he's blessed with seven beautiful children. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you. It's been a while since uh, we last uh, connected. Hey, John. Yeah, it has been a little while, but uh, hey, it's, it's, it's great to be on, and uh, we're super excited about uh, what's taking place on the effort, you know, to go out and to uh, to reach men to go into the deep and, and bring them home to uh, the Catholic faith. Well, it's an exciting uh, thing which which you do and uh, your movement. Uh, I've had the joy of attending many men's conferences uh, in different parts of the country, uh, including yours, and uh, it, it's it's fantastic. Kevin, before we talk about this upcoming um, men's conference uh, there in in Milwaukee, uh, can you share with us your your take on this crisis that's happening uh, with? our brothers uh, in Christ, with, with men who, uh, what they're going through these days? You know, I think that, the, you know, there's so many different facets to it, but the, the overall is just men are drifting away. And I think as a, uh, as men, you just said some stats, right? The U.S. now number one, follow this uh, uh, country in the world. There, just, there's a lack, almost a sense of effort to evangelize men. And, 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 and by the way, to evangelize men for all the guys out there, sometimes it's hard because, they, they, I don't need that right now. So one of the things from a men of Christ perspective, we're, we, we are very intentional. We we're, we're picking up phones and, and making, you know, asking guys to come back. The, we call it the tap, right? Touch a person. And it's very personal because, you know, I think a lot of times guys just feel they're not needed. And you see that with the, the stats of the 7 million men that basically have not only dropped out of society, they dropped out of culture. And what are they doing? They're not doing. Uh, they're not. They're not doing church. They're not doing work around the house. What they do do is they do screens. So there is a um, a need, a desire uh, for us to to go out and to get them, as Christ said, right? Go out into the deep and bring them home. And really, the men of Christ the apostles is striving to do that 
And we do it in two ways. We use the conference experience, right? In the gospel reading a couple of weeks ago was talking about how all evil starts in the heart. So we want to create this powerful experience. We want to get to the heart and have them enter into back at, uh, enter into the sacrament of confession and then cleanse that heart, open them up and get to their, to the, to the mind, do some formation through men's groups that we've set up all throughout the diocese. Well, Kevin, um, one of the stats that has recently come out is uh, the the reality that uh, only about 17% of men are going to Mass these days. That that is really, really alarming. Why do you think that the men are not stepping up to the plate and and being the spiritual leaders in their families and going to Mass? Yeah, I think a lot of it is they just, they're drifting. You know, you look at how the the culture, uh, we uh, we can't be ignorant to what the culture is doing. There is this lack of of uh, um, uh, environment that's around for guys. So they're getting caught up. I mean, I just had a friend talk to me yesterday about a coworker uh, whose husband is addicted to porn and she's looking at it separate. So there's, there's all these things that are pulling us away. And I think a lot of times uh, men just do not see faith uh, being relevant to them. And I don't see a lot of people, a lot of individuals going after. Like one of the things that we are always struggling with is, trying to get the entire parish around uh, the support of bringing men back. Sometimes you'll feel that we put more effort into like a fall festival than we do about going after the leader of the home. Because one of the things that we've found, um, you know, as the father goes, so goes the family, right? And that's if the father stays in the faith, the children stay in the faith. So we're not, you know, there's just not a lot of effort yet. And we're really trying to help elevate that out and, of course, create a a powerful experience when they do actually come back that they're converted. Uh, Kevin, uh, can you uh, tell us, especially for uh, the the men listening who may not be familiar with your organization um, or your conference, for that matter, who are the Men of Christ? Yeah, so, you know, the Men of Christ is just a a group of Catholic laymen that have come together and, and really do something we think is very powerful. Uh, we want to make a difference in the world, and we believe that difference is by empowering men to, to boldly live their faith. So Men of Christ starts with the, the process, as I said, the, the uh, creating a conference experience so that guys come back. They're then cleansed. They then enter into these men's groups. And you can learn more about what we're doing at menofchrist.net. Uh, you heard Mike Sweeney. Thank you for playing that. He's he, Like you said, I know you know Mike. He's a, a great guy. A great guy. And one of the things we've done is we've created a hybrid model. This, so you can literally participate from your parish by bringing a, a group of men together. We have over 100, I think it's like 111 parishes participating in four, and I think it may even be five states now. Um, so you, it, because of the process is so easy, it's basically a conference in the box. You plug into it. It's, based, it's from 830 to about 1230 in regards to length. Or you can watch from home. So even if there's not a parish near you, because we do want guys to come together and have that bonding experience and build that brotherhood. Um, but you can go to menachrist.net, sign up either one of the parishes that are there or actually start one or watch from home. Well, I tell you, you guys are blessed to have Mike Sweeney. I believe he's your keynote speaker uh, this year. He is about as powerful uh, of a speaker uh, from a professional athlete perspective as you'll ever hear. This man is on fire for, uh, for Jesus, for our Blessed Mother, for the Eucharist, for our Catholic faith. You know, Mike, Mike had come in and, and we had him spend the, the night, like he came in and did a leadership uh, talk for us. And uh, to your point, he is just, he's the real deal. I mean, he's a guy that just loves the Lord, loves his Catholic faith, uh, is living that out. And the guys are really, truly inspired 
to hear his words of, and his big message was being yoked together, like how the power of staying together and the strength and unity. And it was such an encouraging message. And that's something, you know, the men that that participate are going to be able to hear from him. You have a a couple of other uh, really good speakers, uh, including the Archbishop, uh, someone who I know well, uh, Archbishop uh, Jerome Listecki. Yeah, we've got uh, uh, Bart Schuess. Again, he is a uh, professional football player uh, that had come back, and he's got a great story, Father John Burns, and then Archbishop Listecki, which one of the things that we've done is we've got a father-son blessing. So this idea of we're encouraging our, our men to bring their sons so they can see their their fathers engaged in it, and Archbishop is going to uh, to lead uh, that uh, that blessing for us. Sounds fantastic. Uh, the, a father-son blessing. Great opportunity for fathers to, to bring their sons and expose them to the, uh, your lineup of powerful speakers and to get uh, really inspired and, and motivated to be courageous men of Christ. Uh, Kevin, I really uh, enjoy uh, being with you here this morning. Many blessings uh, in your upcoming conference. Thank you, John. And I have to say this before, as we roll out, but Relevant Rail was a key part of us uh, starting this. Just the, the great work that you all are doing there. Uh, we're a big promoter of uh, Relevant Radio and all the great work that you do. Well, God bless you again. Many blessings. Kevin O'Brien, CEO of Best Version Media, co-founder and president of the Men of Christ Catholic Men's Conference. We need to take a short break. When we come back, Bishop Daniel Muggenberg will look ahead to this Sunday's gospel with our very own Glenn Leverin. Stay with us. There is much more to come on this edition of Morning Air. Welcome back to Morning Air on another Friday dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm John Morales. It's good to be with you. And now it's time to look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel. Always keep in mind that the Word of God in the Gospels, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, is powerful. When the Gospel, the Book Eternal, is proclaimed, Christ is passing by. Jesus is speaking to you. So listen carefully, folks, as Bishop Daniel Muggenberg, Bishop of Reno, Nevada, shares his weekly reflection on this Sunday's Gospel with our very own Glenn Leverance. Our Gospel reading for the first Sunday in Lent comes from Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give you, if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Go away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Time to take a deeper look at that gospel reading for the first Sunday of Lent, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Joining us once again from Reno, Nevada, it's Bishop Daniel Muggenberg. Bishop Muggenberg, always great to have you along. And great to be here, Glenn. Well, as we are into Lent, 
Maybe we need to, to walk by quickly when we're in the store and that candy aisle is near. Maybe that's our temptation as we talk about temptations on, on different levels this week. That's true. You know, every Sunday of Lent, we begin with a passage that speaks about Jesus being tempted in the desert. And although we traditionally have understood the temptations as simply temptations to power, pleasure, or prestige, um, each of the gospel writers actually presents them in, in, a, in a more profound way. And they do that through some of the subtle details that they include. And so maybe we can look at some of those details that Matthew wants us to focus on, and then we can understand the application of those temptations in a more personal way for each of us. With Matthew, uh, the gospel contains lots of the basics, maybe a focus to make it easier for Jewish folks to figure out as well. But uh, what uh, strikes you really as some of those details we need to learn from Matthew? Well, one of the first temptations that Jesus experiences is, of course, the temptation to turn uh, stones into loaves of bread. And um, while that is, you know, understandable because he had fasted for 40 days and he was hungry, Matthew is very clear that the temptation is in the plural, namely to generate a lot of bread, more than just one person needs. And that's why Matthew talks about the loaves of bread. So it is the abundance of of the bread that is the temptation for Jesus in this passage. Now, we need to remember that for a Jewish audience, they would have been very much aware that the Messiah was expected to do certain things. And one thing that the Messiah was supposed to do was to generate an abundance of bread, just as Moses had done in the desert during the Exodus for the people providing manna for them. And so in a real sense, this temptation is not just about Jesus feeding his own hunger. It's about Jesus being tempted to fulfill other people's expectations of what he will do and how he will act as the Messiah. And that's really the fundamental temptation, I think, for us, because there are lots of people in our lives who expect us to do certain things. And some of those things may not be in fulfillment of God's will for our lives. Some of those things may actually be contrary to God's will for our lives. And if we allow ourselves to ever be governed by other people's expectations rather than God's expectations, then we have really given others control over us. And we may end up fulfilling their expectations while at the same time failing in God's hopes for our lives. So I think that's a fundamental temptation that we need to purify within each of us during this time of Lent. You know, who are we really living for? Oh, that is so subtle, too. It's not like we're starving and here's some food very often. You know, it just might be an extra want that we have. But to uh, do what others would think we ought to do, right, to fall to that peer pressure, which might be a little bit off of what God would want or a lot off what God would want, but that's maybe a much more common temptation we have today. I think it is, and I think that we see it um, even in our cancel culture or in our culture that demands political correctness, um, that sometimes the gospel is silenced simply for the sake of keeping the peace and, you know, saying or doing what other people expect us to say or do. And, uh, and Jesus wants disciples who are really governed by a radical commitment to the Father's will, first and foremost, and, and disciples who are courageous in speaking God's message to the world and not simply repeating um, the message that is promoted by our secular culture. Can this be a temptation, too, even for good Christians, good Catholics, to be tempted to do things that might look like they are good works but are maybe taking us away from our, our primary calling? You know, the fundamental question we have to ask ourselves is, who are we trying to please? 
Are we trying to please or appease others by our actions or statements or whatever? Or are we really trying to please the Father and to do His will? And we, when we're clear on that, then we'll understand all the ways that we're tempted to deviate from it. One of the interesting things to look at as we talk with Bishop Daniel Mogenberg today and examine the gospel for this first Sunday in Lent out of Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, is kind of the, the subtle battle over the use of Scripture between Satan and our Lord. True. You know, Jesus was very effective in dismissing that first temptation by quoting Scripture. And Satan uh, learned quickly how to respond by choosing selectively Scripture passages in an attempt to tempt Jesus. So Satan may quote Scripture, even though Satan does not have faith uh, in Scripture itself. And we need to be careful of that, because it isn't a matter of just quoting Scripture. It's a matter of correctly understanding and interpreting it. And so Jesus is showing us how to correctly interpret and apply Scripture to particular moments of temptation. In this particular one, of course, uh, it is the temptation to throw himself off the parapet of the temple to test God's presence, to test God's providence and God's care. Now, that's a temptation to, first of all, doubt God's presence, doubt God's care for us, especially in times of crisis, um, much as the people did, uh, the Hebrew people did during the time of the Exodus. Um, so, Jesus is showing us that he will not put God to the test because he doesn't doubt the Father's presence. And so, even in the midst of crisis, Jesus will trust the presence and the providence and the care of his Father. Um, and that's a real instruction for us because we all go through moments of crisis. And one of the first things that we do is we interpret crisis as a sign of God's absence or somehow God's punishment. That is a temptation. That is an incorrect um, interpretation of our situation. If we're disciples of Jesus, then we will embrace um, difficulties in our lives, especially difficulties that arise because of our faith in the same way that Jesus embraced them in his life. He carried his cross. He was faithful and obedient to the Father's will, no matter what circumstance was taking place. And he wants us to have that same kind of absolute resolve, confidence, and trust in the Father's care and providence for us as well. Fun to go deeper uh, past the kind of the basic areas of temptation. But when we think about some of those basic areas of money, power, and, and pleasure, some might stand out as being very bad for a Christian. Others, might be a little more slippery for a Christian. Maybe that search for that power, that longing for power, doesn't at first look as as bad as a sexual temptation or stealing some money, but uh, nonetheless can be a temptation toward not good. Whenever we experience temptations for power, um, we usually are tempted by thinking about all the good things we can do if we had power, and that leads us to cut ethical corners and, you know, for the sake of power. Um, and that's what Jesus was experiencing in this final temptation. You know, Satan said, I will give you all the kingdoms, but you have to pay homage to me in order for that to happen. And, um, you know, that's really a temptation to be successful at the expense of being faithful. Now, that happens in all of our lives when we find that we can get ahead if we just cut those ethical corners you know, um, and and do what's expedient rather than what's right in the eyes of God. So Jesus is really um, showing us that anytime we agree to play by the rules of the world simply because that's the way it is or that's the way it works, we are de facto giving in to the rules of Satan, 
who is the prince of this world. And any time that we acknowledge his role as prince of this world and choose to play by his rules, we are, we are giving him homage. And Jesus will not do that. Jesus lived his life according to the values of the kingdom. And as disciples, he wants us to do the same thing, to witness the kingdom of God in the midst of a fallen world and not to give in to the values of the world and cooperate with those values simply for the sake of short-term success. And finally, Bishop Muggenberg, as uh, this study this week takes us now into the, the first Sunday and the first weeks of Lent here, uh, and we, we think of it's a time of prayer and, and self-denial and doing some works of charity, it can kind of tie us into some of the struggles our Lord went through in, in this lesson. That's true. You know, um, Jesus faces these temptations, um, and we read about this on the first Sunday of Lent, because it's meant to give us courage as we enter these 40 days with him in the desert, that through him and, and his power in us, that we can overcome the presence of temptation and sin in our lives, not by our strength, but because of his obedience and because of our surrender to his will. And so he is the source um, of our holiness. But in order for that to happen, we have to embrace the Lenten practices of prayer, uh, fasting, and almsgiving. Now, each of those three is an expected part of a disciple's life. Prayer, leading us deeper into communion with God. Um, almsgiving, leaving us, leading us deeper into communion with others, especially those in need and those who suffer. And self-denial uh, or fasting as a way of not letting our natural human desires govern our lives, but rather being governed by the will of God. Very good, Bishop Muggenberg. Very good indeed. If you'd be so kind as to wrap us up this week with your blessing. The Lord be with you. And may the blessing of Almighty God who invites us to spend these 40 days experiencing the grace of spiritual renewal always give us that outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will truly transform our lives so that we can be with Christ for his passion and resurrection. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And thank you, Bishop Muggenberg. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Two Pills by Joseph Mazzella. I don't spend very much time on the internet these days. I check out what my family and friends are doing on Facebook, enjoy a funny video or two, and take an inspirational post in. I try to stay away, though, from the the hateful, angry talk, the politics, the arguments, the bullying, the lies, the conspiracy theories that are everywhere online. They could eat away at your soul. I did see one interesting post the other day, though. It was like a moment from a science fiction movie under the question, what would you do you saw two hands? One was holding a red pill, one was holding a blue pill. If you took the red pill, you could restart your life at six years of age with all the knowledge you have now. If you took the blue pill, you got $10 million in cash. It took me about half a second to decide to take the red pill. If I were six again, knowing what I know now, I'd run across our old swinging bridge after school, burst through the front door, hug my mom and tell her just how much I love her. Then I'd do the same with my Nana. I'd even risk embarrassing my dad by giving him a hug when he got home from work. They're all in heaven now, and I still miss them every single day. I'd try not to change any of my life choices. I'd still want my life to turn out like it is today. The only change I would make would be how I felt inside. To relive my life with a heart full of thankfulness, a soul overflowing with love, to be free from fear and full of joy, to be full of wisdom and appreciation would have made every day 
of that life a blessing for me and a gift for our Father in Heaven. Of course, there's no magic pill that will let me relive the last 50 years of my life, so I'll do my best instead to live my remaining time here with all the love, laughter, goodness, gratitude, joy, and kindness I can. After all, that six-year-old still lives inside of me, and I do now have all the knowledge I've gained over this lifetime. May you always live your life with the heart of a child and the knowledge of the wise. May you share your love, your learning, your kindness, your joy with everyone you meet. May you embrace each day as a gift from God and live it like it's your gift to God. From Luke 18, 17, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. As always, thanks so much, Glenn. What a great reminder. Every day is a gift. In fact, I wear a bracelet around my wrist uh, to remind me of that every day. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Catholic attorney Mary Helen Fiorito will join us to talk about the Asbury Revival and how it's setting some Catholics on fire with the Holy Spirit. Theologian Dr. Marcelino D'Ambrosio will share some of his 40 Lenten ideas to get more out of the season. Plus, Dr. Jordan Almanzar, the Director of Public and Alumni Relations at Colby Academy will be with us to discuss homeschooling and Colby's virtual college fair that's going on this weekend. So stay with us. There's much more to come on this Friday edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.